With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Slogging It. It is I, Eugene Berger, and not John O'Gordon or Simon Roberts this week. Um, We've decided we're going to be taking turns on hosting the pod. And what that means is you're going to have to hear me ramble a little bit about how shit England are, how good Australia are, and how even worse South Africa are, considering they now have to qualify for a World Cup. But before we get to these topics tonight, let me introduce my wonderful co-hosts. Recently back from the West Indies, the man himself, John O'Gordon. How are you, John I'm I'm well, mate. I'm tired. Um, I've been tired ever since I got back. But there may be a two-day golf trip with a lot of beers in the adjoining evening that might be to blame for that. Um, but yeah, great to, great to be back. Great to see you two on screen again, rather than talking to you from 6,000 miles away. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to getting back into it. Good stuff. And um, we're also joined by Simon Roberts, who after his uh stomach bug of absolutely excavate excavating his uh his bowels he's he's now looking fighting fit so how are you robert uh lighter, <laughs> lighter. it's a good diet right oh mate unbelievable um yeah just six kilos lost in five days that is get me some yeah. of that i, I need get that, me yeah. that. <laughs> far from ideal uh if i'm honest but yeah i've uh, i've managed to swerve the diet of uh, cup of soups and bread so now, now back to uh, to eating normally. Have some nice, had some lovely enchiladas tonight. Oh, actually, oh, wow, very nice. Spoiled by Betty. So, it's good. Um, she's obviously you're obviously in the good books, mate. Um, but yeah, Jono, what did you have for dinner tonight? Just so Lisa knows uh, when 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 she listens back to the pod, considering she's in look, London tonight. Look, luckily Lisa doesn't listen to me. So I've had fish and chips. The dog had sausage and chips, and I've just had a magnum. So oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> The dog had sausage and cheese. <laughs> Mate, favourite meal, loves it. Boomtown. Mate, oh, by that you bought sausage and chips for the dog, but you ate it. No, 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 no. I had fish and chips. The dog had sausage and chips. Yeah, but did you buy the sausage and chips for yourself, and then were full, so therefore the dog ate it? No, well, he had his own portion. He's oh, the best fed. In this side of the US. Yeah, that, that's I think where Robert was going with that. However, we digress. We're not talking about diets, and let's get straight into it. Um, obviously, we last caught up when uh, John, you were in the, the West Indies still, and England were um, fighting well on day two of a Test match. I think it was a second Test match, um, to which obviously we now know the result and that England drew. But what was your thoughts on that second Test? I know that you were talking about how good the hospitality was. Some people reckoned that the hospitality was a bit too english orientated in terms of tourism but yeah what are your thoughts on that test give us a quick recap so i, I think when we last called we were talking about the um the wicket how maybe the wicket had been designed to boost tourism and numbers and money and what have you and i think we also touched on the fact that maybe that was in danger of um almost then working against 
the plan that they'd set out, if that makes sense. So day three and four were very, very quiet in, in, the, in the stadium. Although we went and sat with some locals and they just came in and created a load of noise and it was brilliant. Uh, and a load of English people, well, let's say a load of English people. Some English people got aggy about the West Indies kind of, you know, having a right laugh. I just loved it. it was brilliant. Um, but I think the, the plan to make it so obviously go five days worked against them because it actually drove people away from the game because it just like it was going nowhere. Um, I actually said on day four, having watched Josh bat in the first innings, I'm not, I said to the three lads, four lads I was with, oh, lads, I'm not bothered if we don't come tomorrow because um, I don't think I'll see him bat again. And I think it's going to peter out into a draw. As it happened, come, you know, the following morning when England made, well, I still think he's a less than positive declaration. There is no way West Indies were going to chase 2-8-3 in, or 2-8-2, whatever it was, in, in that amount of time left. Um, you know, once the West once England got a couple of early wickets, we, we rushed to the ground because we were like, actually, this could turn out to be quite exciting. Um, from a personal point of view, Josh then getting 39 out and spending some more time on telly and stuff was great. And um, I went for dinner with him and his parents and the, the boys that evening. Uh, which I'm sure we'll come on to, but um, yeah, I, I just a bit. Yeah, I just feel like the the plan to make it last five days almost counted against what they were trying to achieve by driving money into the stadium. Yeah, I mean, Robbo, we were watching remotely and obviously seeing on TV. It looked like there was more English supporters than there were West India supporters in the ground. Yeah, I mean, you regularly heard people talking about saying it was some of the England players were like saying it's like playing at Trent Bridge and um, stuff like that, which. Uh, I can I can understand why they've done it. I mean, they've had two years of being decimated. Tourism is everything that they're about over there in the Caribbean, and 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 I can completely understand from a commercial point of view why they've tried. Yeah, it probably the the government will argue if it's got fifty thousand England English people there, um, it they don't care whether they're at the cricket or they're on the island spending the money in the bars. They don't as long as they're there, then that's fine. But it didn't make for a great cricket spectacle. Obviously, there was a little bit in that test. There was a England kind of, don't disagree with Jono about it being slightly negative, but we've come to expect that from this kind of England team, a petrified of losing um, in those situations. But I think that's just because they don't know how to win anymore. And um, and and then, yeah, the, the Chris Wokes got a few wickets and it, it started to look, or I think he got a few, or Jack Leach got a few, didn't he? Yeah, and then uh, it started looking like it might get interesting, but then Josh played well. And, and it, to be fair, the result was fairly deserving of the um, the wicket, mm. the game as a whole. I thought that's one of the poorest quality test matches of a whole I think I've seen in a very, very long time. And I've been watching England for... Years. Yeah, Sorry, huge. I think the um, what I must point out is that you know West West Indies cricket fans aren't massive fans of red ball cricket anymore. It's a real shame because they've had some pretty tough times. You know, the best team in the world by a mile in the late eighties and probably the f very early nineties before that Australian side. You know, that were just unbelievable came about. Um, but they, they said that there were twenty thousand there at Bridgetown, you know, for the first two or three days, and one percent were locals. Um, but I think that's uh, that's because that red ball cricket isn't necessarily that popular over there, and I think they they do want to try and change that, and they do want to 
to improve that, but they're very much white ball focused. Um, if they're playing on pitches like that, they're never going to get. It's never going to be interesting, is it? You can. Well, no, I agree. I agree. But I think that was very much a, a, an economic decision as much. Yeah. As you know, Josh said to me because um, I think I think we talked about it um, when I when we recorded when I was out there that they, Josh had said to me when they got to Barbados that they fancied beating us in three and a half days because the groundsman had told them that it was going to be quick and bouncy. Um, now, he's obviously dreadful at his job and has got no idea what the kind of pitch he's preparing. Or, you know, he just it just didn't turn out to be anything like he was... Or he was trying to... He was feeding him a false line because he didn't want to have to admit that he'd been told to prepare something that was just an absolute featherbed. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, no, we're going we're gonna to hold that thought for, for, the, for the time being on that second test. I do want to bring it up a little bit later when we talk about um, another series that was going on at the same time. But let's move on to the third test quickly. Um, you know, never had the... The Barmy Army complained enough about, you know, well, they're not coming back because, you know what, that pitch was prepared to last five days and they were basically just trying to have every penny squeezed out of them so that it all went to tourism. So then the third test came along and, and you know, England were their, their old self back in, in as if they were playing in the Ashes again, right? Everything that this England outfit has said in the last two years was summarised in about three hours worth of cricket on the first day right but no that second innings that batting thing on that second innings and the whole this this whole series that culminated in that point and the whole last 12 months of chris silverwood the debacle of the ecb and who they've picked culminated in that it, it session and a half, two sessions. In fact, it was probably about a day and a half because we scored at about 0.8 and over whilst getting bowled out, which is, really makes it interesting. I think if you really want to drag fans back, this new dawn that we've been promised, um, I, I just can't. And at the end, it, like, it doesn't matter. In, we've seen that happen to England. It was more surprising. What was more surprising to you, Huge? The fact that England got 500... Or the fact they got bowled out for 110 again. And I know which one was more surprising to me, and it starts with them getting past 200. So let's let's just accept the fact that with English cricket, we are shite at test match batting. We've got one player. Well, we've got we've got two total players. Unfortunately, it's Joe Root as one player, and then we've got probably two or three in terms of batters that might make up another player on a decent day. Johnny Bairstow on his day, yeah, fair enough. Ben Stokes on his day, yeah, fair enough. But the rest, uh, I mean, it's a, if, as if we, we can sit there and bemoan the pitches that we play on when we go to Australia and we play on fast bouncy ones. But to play on slow low ones and get bowled out by a guy bowling exactly the same as Darren Stevens <laughs> is I mean if we can't play if we can't if England can't play 120 mile an hour whiffers we've got no hope because that's all we face 120 kilometer an hour sorry not miles an hour Christ that won't be a whiffer <laughs> um but if, if and, and so 
what is the excuse going to be this time? Unsurprisingly, no one's mentioned about the fact that first-class pitches are shit when you've got rolled out on the shittest pitch in the history of man. Mm. No one's mentioned about the fact we've got no premier fast bowlers when you're getting bowled up by a bloke that bowls at 118 kilometres an hour. Yeah. So uh, the only outcome is we're shit. Yeah. John, any, any more thoughts on that? I mean, anything, you know, this is, Rob is coming off the relatively long run. It feels like you're going to come off a longer one. Well, look, I just think that... Um... I watched an interview with Marcus Truscothic and, you know, I've always thought it was pretty level and pretty straight and what have you. And then, you know, let's not, let's not forget that we did some good things in, in the first two tests. Well, no, we, what we did was play on two absolute feather beds that it was, I mean, beyond easy to bat on. The problem is that you then go into, you play on a wicket that, at times, was a bit up and down. Not for England in the first innings. Not particularly for England in the second innings. I think the West Indies had the worst of it, in fairness. You look at Brathwaite and Brooks and the way they were dismissed. LBW, the pair of them. Um, and, and, and England just can't adapt to... So, you know, they, they come out saying, oh, aren't we doing well, aren't we doing well? And then they play on a wicket that's got even a tiny bit in it and they just fall down like a pack of badly stacked cards. Like, um, it's It's... It's embarrassing, quite frankly. Um, you know, there's obviously now all the chat about Root. Is Root going to carry on? I've been racking my brain trying to think about who else they might want to instill as captain. I think a lot of it will be based on who comes in as, as head coach um, and what his things are. The one thing that I did notice from watching the, the match, uh, and obviously I watch it kind of tactically and, look, and, and tend to look at not just ball by ball, but look at what's going on and field settings and whatever. Um, the one person who seems to have a huge amount of sway and say and involvement in big decisions is Dan Lawrence, as someone who's so new to his test career. He is the bloke that the ball goes through him every delivery in terms of to shine it. He that they then relied started to rely on him quite heavily to bowl some overs. Um, and I thought what an he, action! Well, <laughs> I mean, frog in a blender doesn't quite cover it, does it? But um, you know. And, and actually, I think if anybody played with any kind of decent intent and looked quite good outside of, you know, the Stokes, Bairstow route at times, I, I think you'd probably look at Dan Lawrence. So whether but, he is, whether he's a name that might be thrown into the hat as someone that they might throw it to, the, the obvious answer for captaincy experience um, would probably be Rory Burns. But is he going to get back into the side? I don't know. Um, I think the side's up in the air, isn't it? Let's face it. There's only one. There's there's two names that are, that are fixed on the team sheet now, and that's that's and Root. Well, there might be four, ironically, but two of them didn't tour. What? So <laughs> Root is yeah. going to be in the team. Yeah. Done. Stokes is going to be in the team. Stokes, his left knee in that third test. The amount of strapping on it because the amount we said yeah. at the end of the first test. I think England have just got to accept the fact that he's not going to be able to bowl past about two years' time. Yeah, He's going to do what Flintoff did and hopefully he, he can develop his bat in them and then maybe become, and this is a big shout, to become like a callous type yeah. used all-rounder when it's used very sparingly to bowl. But at the, at the minute, the problem is England are in the shit. He's had to go in, bat in. Nothing's happening with the ball. Who'd you go to? You have to go to Stokes, yeah. Well, because he's, the rest aren't. And the last thing, that, these guys are trying. Like, I'm not going to criticise effort and I'm not going to criticise intent or whatever. 
But because I, I genuinely believe these guys are doing the best they can, that they're, they're, they're miles away. Yeah. They are miles away. Can you remember about 15 years ago, we were having this debate whether Ian Bell was good enough and was the right person in the side. He was averaging 43. <laughs> now we haven't got everyone that can average 4.3. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we've got the bloke back in 11. He averages 53 in test cricket. Well, I mean, I, I was going to bring that up, you know. The new dawn was supposed to be, um, you know, the issues with bowling. Now, England couldn't score 300 when they went to Australia. So who did they drop? Their number 10 and 11 batsmen. Mm. Got nothing to do with their bowling. They've got to do with their batting. The same thing when a decent wicket appears. And I mean, look. Maybe that maybe it was dropping ten and eleven because in the third test the top scorers were ten and eleven. You know the way Leach and yeah. Mahmood actually batted. I mean they top scored. So yeah, I, I think you know going back to you know not not necessarily just the series, but I think England have bigger problems than just the players that they're in right now. You know they don't have anybody that's sort of creating the structure. They don't have any of the coaching staff that are in. I just saw that. Um, Graham Thorpe's just been appointed as the um, Afghanistan head coach. Um, so that's a quick decision that he's oh, moved he's out. So over there, can he, and start causing problems? Yeah, yeah. well, no, no, I don't think he will cause many problems while he's over there, if he did cause any when he was in Australia. But, you know, that's that's hearsay. We, we don't know the facts behind that. Um, but, yeah, from, from our perspective, I think that a conversation about who's going to be the new CEO, who's going to be in charge of English cricket, Who's going to be the head coach? And is Joe Root going to stay on? That's going to have to be a conversation for us over the next couple of weeks, I think. Who would you pick, Huge? If you had to go, forget CEO, we don't know enough about that, in my opinion. We don't. But if you had to go, director of cricket. Gary Kirsten. Head coach. Sorry? Gary Kirsten. Does he want it, though? What, would he want it after the way they treated him last night? Well, I don't know if he wants it. I'm, you, I'm asking you who I would put in. I'd put Gary Kirsten yeah. in. Paul Collingwood would be my white ball um, coach. Um, I think I think Gary would like to take on the test series too. So he's got some structural. So I think he'll do director of cricket and the tests. Paul Collingwood, I don't know about the rest, but the batting coaches, bowling coaches, you know, those, those, no, no, no. those will fall in. Um, if Joe Root does not want to be captain... Yeah. I think the best person to come in and lead in the short term is Stuart Broad. I think he's the, you know, I was thinking about this. There's the first name on the team sheet from my perspective is Joe Root because of his batting. The second name on the team sheet for me is Stuart Broad. I think he is, he is somebody that has to play in the um, India, New Zealand and South Africa test series in the summer. So therefore make him captain, let Joe Root just bat and we'll see where we go from there. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not bought into the Stuart Broad thing. I, I think he, he was captain of a, a dreadful T20 um, World Cup. Yes, he was much younger, but I also I, he's too. I, for me, he's a bit too hot-headed. I, I, I prefer the, the 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 idea of batters or occasionally all-rounders becoming skippers. I, I just think bowlers are too involved in the game for too too much of it. Um, I've captained obviously as a a bowler or an all-rounder. Simon's obviously done the same. Um, it's working for Australia. The same. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I agree on that. I mean, point. Um, and that's why short. That's a short-term thing for me. And I mean, which way would you go? You know, which way would you go, Jono? I don't, I don't know. I, I I don't think at the minute there's a standout option. Um, there's 
presenting itself to replace Joe Root, unless you give it to one of the younger ones, as for Dan Lawrence or someone like that, who who can you know you kind of invest time in them to to you know when it, when it, when English cricket is at the point that it is in terms of at, almost at its lowest ebb, like what what have you, you what can you lose by saying to a youngster, look, okay, we believe that you can. In a similar way that <clears throat> I'm not sure South African cricket was actually in such a bad point as England cricket is now, but when they appointed Graham Smith at 19 or whatever it was to go and lead your country, like you know, um, maybe, maybe there's something in that, and he took them to the top of the world rankings. So yeah. if it allows a captain to to then put his absolute stamp on the team and the way in which the, the cricket by that um, side is going to be played, and obviously Buff's a very strong character and probably even was at, at 19, 20, 21, however he was, he was when he took on the national captaincy. Um, so, but maybe that's an option. I, I do yeah. want to. I do just want to touch on something. Like, and it, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to make this about Josh and Josh being my mate and me sponsoring him at all. But like, he scored a hundred on a horrible wicket because he applied himself. I mean, jo, you know. Whether it's Joshua or anyone else, like you know, and I don't want to harp on about him, but I, I'm just lucky that it was him in this scenario, right? But any any batter who applied himself in the same way there, he won that Test series. You know, yes, May has got the, the 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 wickets cheaply in the in the last innings by bowling seam up and, and hitting decent areas. It's something else we couldn't do. Mm-hmm. But the application of Josh, and I think this is why he got him on the match over Myers, Myers, whatever his name is. Um, is because that innings single-handedly changed the the result of that Test series, and, and West Indies went on to win one nil. Now, if Josh, who's played fifteen Tests, can do that. Fuck me. So, you know, and let's not forget he was batting at eight. Now he's much more of a batter than a Chris Wokes, who up batted at eight for England. But if Josh can do it, then one of the seven top seven lads for England can do it. You know what I mean? It was about sitting there, blocking for your life, and if the opportunity presented itself to score some runs, then he took them. Like it was ten off something yeah, ridiculous, yeah. like eighty balls or whatever. And I think it was two six two hundred and sixty balls for his hundred. They were giving him a lot of lip for his strike rate. Oh, it's so low. Who gives oh. a shit how low his strike rate? He scored a hundred and won the game for them. Won the series. Application. That's what it is. It's application. I mean, he yeah. gave Ben Stokes the best send off I've ever heard. Like. Um, Ben Stokes ran down to it. You know, he was a bit of verbals. And I, so I asked him afterwards. I was like, what did he say? He said, Stokes, he came down and ran down the wicket. He went, you're fucking shit. He went, I know. But they're here to watch you, not me. And so far, you're not fucking good enough to get me out. So why don't you wander back to the top of your mark and have another fucking go? And I just thought for a lad at 23 to just stand there and say that to Ben Stokes, who we all know is, you know, quite a tough guy as well and can get it up towards 90 mile an hour. Um, but watching Josh from side on, he's batting a foot out of his crease to Stokes and Mahmood. I mean, that's how that's how placid the pitch was in yeah. in, in Barbados. Um, but, you know, it's applicate the, what the England lads didn't show is any application or value their wicket highly enough, um, and that ultimately really cost them in that third test. Before we move on from the West Indies and England, Robert, can we get your Thoughts on um, you know the leadership in the England side and then maybe the captaincy. Uh, I I defended at the end of the Ashes. I defend, defended Joe Root, um, but I think if you look at the person that's been involved over the last twelve months, they got rid of all the decision makers. But one going into this series, 
knew, in inverted commas, decision makers were brought in with one remaining and they've made the same poor decision. So I think he's in a he's in a struggle for a spot. The reason I think he stays safe is because I, I, I'm a big believer in and what I think South Africa did well with Graham Smith, what I think um, Australia did well when they came over from uh, came out of their sort of the sandpaper gate thing is they married up the coach and the captain very well. So I think I I think that is the most important thing. You look at when England have been successful, when it was either Duncan Fletcher and Michael Vaughan, um, and then uh, Andy Flower and Andrew Strauss. You, you look at the quite similar characters, play the game in a similar way. And so for me, the only reason Joe Root keeps it at the minute is because it depends who the next head coach is. Um, and I, and the, the thing is, I don't think there's anyone out there that will be good for England cricket that matches Joe Root's mentality. I, and it's where I, I think if, if England are going to go for a Ricky Ponting, um, a Gary Kirsten, uh, a kind of a fighter, then they need some attitude. They need some grunt from the captain. Mm-hmm. And okay. the only, like Eugene said, the only person that offers that kind of brash kind of stand up for himself, right, we're going to have a scrap, is, is, is Brody. So um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's going to be a long-term one. It's either that or they find, pick, pick the England under-19 captain, if he, whoever it is. If he's not in batter, even better. But like for me, stop this bollocks that we're working for the future and then picking 28-year-olds. That's the biggest shower of shit we can ever carry on doing. Um if we're going to work for the future, pick a 19, 20, 21 year old, go and pick Jake Libby from Worcester, go and pick uh, the England under 19 guys, go and pick Feta Singh as your left arm spinner um, or whoever it might be. Like the guys from the under 19s that have got a bit of attitude, that have shown yeah. they can play a decent standard of cricket. Unless, if we think county cricket is shite, then let's bring players into test cricket before they've had the experience of playing county cricket, before they've got all the bullshit into the system, let's go, right, you know what? You're 19, 20 years old. You've not had five, six, seven, eight years of averaging 29 in county championship cricket and being happy with that and being on 50 grand a year because of that. Here you are. Learn how to play cricket, but we're, play, we're playing in the best situations and we're going to give you a chance. And, we, and let's just go, right, let, let's do that. If that means getting rid of Broad and Anderson, so be it. If that means getting rid of Bairstow, all these players. Because at the minute, Bairstow is the third best batting average in that team at 34, at 33. You're telling me that I quite like Crawley, to be honest. I think he's got something about him and I think putting him with the right coach. I, I, for me, you look at how some of these guys go out. Crawley gets out the same guy every week. They just got to run in a bowl full of a length outside off Stump. He just smacks it and then chips it to cover. And Dan Lawrence, the way he got out after he got 90, played really well for 90. And then Holder is laughing yeah. at him. Holder is laughing at him, running in bowling half volleys outside of Stump. Mm-hmm. Look, so, with that series now behind us, the one thing we do have to say is congratulations to the West Indies. Yes. I mean, look, you know, you don't, you don't beat an English side, no matter how bad a cricket side is or, or how, how much turmoil the side is currently in. I mean, they won that series fair and square 1-0. Congratulations to them. And, um, yeah, I mean, long may it continue. It's great to have West Indies back winning. 
And, um, you know, long, long may it continue, as I say. I think it was really nice um, of them to beat England, considering they were the first side to tour during COVID. You know, so you could argue that England gave it to them, but let's 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 not go down there. I, I wish we had that excuse. Exactly. <laughs> now, on to more worrying things. You know, just when you think that your side can't do any worse, then unfortunately, one of us supports South Africa. Um, <laughs> well, look, keep in mind, this was a 50 over game. It wasn't test cricket, just to be clear. So, you know, South Africa lost to Bangladesh 2-1 in a 50 over game, which puts South Africa into... Um, I suppose right now the qualifying spots to try and make the World Cup. Um, to be fair, South Africa did go through a phase. They decided not to pick half their best players. Yeah, yeah. and They lost the first that. one. They got beat in the first one. They won the second one and then just decided to, like, yeah, no, we're not going to pick our best players, which yeah. won South Africa. The South African cricket that you're seeing at the minute pretty accurately sums up where South African... It's like England cricket sums up where English cricket is. The cricket South Africa are playing sums up the entire state of South African cricket. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much in a nutshell for me. When you look at they, they just look like they're getting themselves into a decent position and someone throws an accusation out at someone that's fuck knows where it comes from and whatever else, but they seem to want to throw a spanner in the works. They, they, it's the same. They seem to have a self-sabotage. You guys are worried about English cricket. Come on. I mean, there's 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 worse things in the world than, than losing to, to the West Indies. And, and look... The one thing, I don't know if you guys saw this, um, half of that Bangladesh side that played against South Africa pulled out of the IPL. Not half, a few of them, a few of their key players. They were supposed to be playing in the IPL and they chose to go and play for their country instead of um, instead of earning the big bucks in the IPL. And so much so that the man of the series guy, I've forgotten his name off the top of my head, the guy that took all the wickets and bowled you know, really well, he was man of the series. He was one of those guys that pulled out of the IPL. So it's great to see people picking their country over cash for a change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think that was that was that was great to see. But we quickly go over that one. Let's move on to Australia and um, and Pakistan. And obviously, you know, we now know the result in that um, you know Australia beat uh, Pakistan one 0 in the series. But what are your guys' thoughts, John? How did you think that the the, the that tier series went compared to? And again, let's compare it to the England West Indies one. Yeah, I mean, again, two pretty flat decks. Um... And Australia just kind of showing their teeth in the, in the last game to, to get it done, really. Um, the one thing I do want to mention about this, um, so one of my great friends is Adam Collins, who own, who uh, runs oh, yeah. the, the Final Word podcast with Jeff Lemon. Um, so, as I say, a great friend of mine, one of my Woodstock shareholders, he he was involved in a basically near-fatal car crash on the way to uh, Lahore Airport, um, where the taxi he was in, Basically, travelling at 60 miles an hour hit a stationary truck. Um, I've, I've been texting him today. I only I only actually found out about it today. I, I texted him just to say, "Crikey, like, you're all right." He he he's now back in London where he lives with his with his wife and his daughter. Um, but he said he's openly said to me if he hadn't been wearing his seatbelt, he he now would not be here. Um, yeah, I saw that. The, the driver, um, Roman, I think he's not there. in a good way. Um, had six hours of brain surgery. Um, they reckon that he's now he's now stable, um, but will probably be in hospital for at least a month. Uh, I mean, this sounds like a horrific, horrific car accident. So, uh, I think everybody from the pod, you know, we absolutely must say our thoughts to you know with uh, Ramon, the taxi driver, his family, but also with Colo, and we and we very much wish him a speedy recovery, uh, and hope to hear him back on on comms soon in whatever guise that is. Um, 
But yeah, you know, look, Australia are Australia, aren't they? They always, they always, almost always find a way. Uh, they absolutely destroyed England I, again. You know, look, it's great to see cricket, Test cricket, back in Pakistan. Um, they're one of the world's great cricketing nations. It's been far too long since uh, we, we've seen Test cricket played. Um, I was talking to, was it? I know. Is it when we were talking to? Uh, it might have been talk- when we were talking to Cowie, and he was like, like the operate the security operation around getting to a PSL game was like six thousand people, like you know. And so, obviously, the the danger levels that people are in are, are, are basically non-existent. They, you know, they, they're micromanaging this to the absolute nth degree, which is great to ensure that cricket continues. Um, but you know, Pakistan are a fine side across both white and red ball cricket. Uh, we, we've seen that as the, their resurgence over the last few years. Um, but Australia are still a class act, aren't they? And, and you know, managed to to get it done. Nathan Lyon was always going to be about a handful in in turning conditions, and um, you know, fair, fair play to them. I think they kind of rightfully sit at the top of the tree again in terms of the the, the best Test side in the in the world, and. Um, you know, as, as always with Australia, they're probably going to be pretty difficult to knock off that perch now they've got the tails up. Yeah. Robert, I don't know if you caught much of that second test, but there was a chance at one stage that Pakistan were going to beat, what looked like they were going to beat um, Australia. You know, um, when Babar Azam and Rizwan were, were batting, I think they needed about 200 to win. Um, they lost a couple of wickets and they drew. But what, what were your thoughts on, on you know, how well the Pakistan batties, batters are, are coming off at the moment? Irrespective of how flat it is, they just look like a different class of batsmen. I think the two players you've named there, are, um, for me, Rizwan's the best keeper batter in the world now. Um, I know Josh obviously got 100, so that makes him second. Um, <laughs> but I don't, you can't think of pants from hit and miss and all the rest, you'd say, are not, not there really. Um, He's even for me is currently the best keeper batter, yeah, by a distance. Uh, and in Barbara Zam, they've just got someone that's ridiculously good, uh, ridiculously good. Um, the other guys just seem to know how to score runs, and that's they they seem to they're not pretty, they're not flash, they're not whatever else, but they just score runs. Um, similar to what you'd sort of say about the, the, the Aussie guys that they've brought in, right? They've Travis head, not pretty scores runs. Um, you, you look at how good was Kawaji, uh, by the way, considering he's from Pakistan he, heritage, his average against Pakistan is about 7,000. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, yeah. I'm, me and you spoke about it the other week. I, I think those two, if you'd have put those two bowling attacks on the wickets in the West Indies, there'd have been three results comfortably. Now, now that's where I want to go with that. That's why I said, can we pause there on, because from my perspective, the bowling attacks, you know, the, the Stark and um, Cummins uh, seven for 20 in that third test won them the game. Now I reckon if England or even, you know, if England had Jimmy or maybe even just one of them, Jimmy and Broad, I reckon that would have been a result on one of those matches. Reverse swing with ball in the... You know, they didn't have out-and-out strike bowlers, did they? So, From my perspective, they just had dibbly doublers. I can only I can only go off what... And this is another, obviously, conversation I had face-to-face with Josh. And I said to him, I said, how did you guys feel? Like, 
or how did he feel in particular about finding out that there was going to be no Jimmy or Brody in the West Indies? And he was like gutted really because he wanted to pit his wits against them, but also like over the moon because I think more so about Brody. Like he was like those first two wickets. Like if anybody could extract anything out of them, it was to abroad. So the West Indies were absolutely licking the chops. They're going, well, cheers. Like the bloke that we would fear most on these kind of wickets is sat at home in Nottingham or playing golf at St Andrews. Like, you know, play quite well by all accounts according to his Instagram. He what? Play quite well. Play quite well. (laughs) Josh was equally equally gutted not to be able to test himself against you know two two of the greats of the modern game. So. Um, I think everyone involved's got to be gutted. Like, for me, it just doesn't make this is this is where it doesn't make sense. Who who is other than the fact that they because they weren't there, they'd become better bowlers. The same as Dan Lawrence became a better batter in Australia through not playing. It's just shown now that those two guys are just in, England haven't got anybody else. I mean, yeah. in terms of being able to 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 adapt to situations. We've seen Brody start ball cutters and then he got a reliant on that. He's adapted that. Anderson has spent his whole career adapting. Like these guys that, again, I'm not, it's not a dig at the guys individually and what they're trying to work to do. But for me, there's something that's going off somewhere. Chris Wokes, for example, is averaging 56 abroad with a ball, but I can't see anything he's changed. He doesn't move about on the crease. He doesn't bowl cutters. He doesn't. He, he doesn't seem to try and do anything else. He's just running in and bowling that same English length. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, one, just one thing. The, um, the the I did want to bring this up earlier, actually, um, and I feel like it'd be remiss not to mention it. Um, in 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 Josh Gaines' hundred, uh, Jaden Seals, who and him and Josh are actually best mates. I think he scored six off about a million balls. Um, but apparently said to Josh, when he got out to the middle, he was like, come hell or high water or something to that extent, you are getting 100 today and I'm going to be here to see you do it. Yeah. Um, and I think his innings, and I actually I, I messaged him to tell him this, um, I said his innings was as important to, to what the West Indies managed to achieve as, as, um, as, as Josh's. I, I think that was phenomenal, but the other thing about the um, the, the the bowlers, um, and, and it were more the planning than the bowlers. Like when I was asking Josh when he, you know, after he got the thirty not out in the second test, he was like, they could have bowled seam on that all day. He said the only time I was, I we ever felt, even Craig Brathwaite ever felt in any kind of danger, was when there was spin on because the pitch was starting to take a bit of turn. But they just kept hammering her away with Mahmood. And uh, Stokes, and you know Wokes, and whoever else, and the bowling up and down seam on a on a wicket that's doing nothing. Um, and actually, bowling spin from both ends probably could could have bought England a bit more time because you get through the overs quicker. So, well, it's the, the the only reason England bowl spinners at the minute, the only reason Joe Roos plays bowl spinners at the minute is so he doesn't get banned. Well, well yeah, yeah. No, he doesn't. He, he doesn't bowl them set wicket. We, he can't do with the, with, with the way that he uses him. But, and, and, it, and I don't mean this, not, again, it's not in a horrible way, but this is what I, I couldn't see the point in picking him in the first place. We've quite gone off the topic of comparing the two, but like, if you don't trust your spinner, don't pick him. Don't don't bother. Like, don't, what, what is the point in it? But um, 
going back to what you were saying about if you look at that Pakistan attack and the and the Australia attack, if they play on those wickets, well, for a start, if they play against England or the West Indies, neither of them two teams are getting 150 on either of those wickets. Sorry, they're not. Um, on all, all three of them. Because they're just better. Mm. You've got start bowling at 150 clicks an hour. Cummins bowling nearly as quick and doesn't bowl a bad ball. You've got Nathan Lyon doing what he does. And then on the other side, on the Pakistan side, you've got equally as good a bowling attack that are used to playing on... Flat wickets. On flat wickets. They're used to playing on flat wickets and getting wickets on flat wickets, whether it be the spinners bowling various different paces. Jack Leach bowled 60 overs in one test. I think the the var- standard variation of his ball speed was about half a mile an hour. Did you know that that was the second am- second most amount of balls bowled in a test match? <laughs> what, by one bowler? Anything. Yeah, there was by one bowler. Second am- in a, in the, I think it's maybe it's for England. It's I was going to say Murrelly's got to a bowl of a fucking thousand overs in some test. <laughs> I mean, no, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, Craig, Craig <laughs> Brathwaite batted a hundred overs in the second test. That's right. Pop quiz. Unbelievable. Pop quiz. Who in West Indies has faced more balls than him in a test match? Brian Lara. No one. He faced more than Lara did when he got his 400. I know that. He didn't. Ah! I think he did. I think in the entire test, he faced more. Well, that's what he asked. And, uh, Robbo, on pop quizzes, I'm two from two, actually. There, if you don't mind. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm disputing that. Go on, go on, go and have a look. <laughs> While you're looking that up, Robert, let's quickly talk about our partners. Um, you know, what we do want to do is mention the Lord's Taverners. Um, please do continue uh, to text them on uh, 60331. And the, the code that you have to text is TAVS11. Please do make sure you are 16 years of age and have the bill payers' permission. Um, they're a fantastic charity giving underprivileged kids the, a sporting chance and, um, you know, very close to our hearts. So if you do have three pounds, please do donate it to them. We do want to thank Big Smoke, um, obviously feeding and watering us um, as much as and as often as we can. I know we're getting into summer, so we'll be trying some of their new honey nectar that comes available. Um, we want to thank Woodstock Cricket. Obviously, without Woodstock Cricket, we wouldn't have all of the, the technology and, and the support that we have around us to, in order to make this work. They're not just a good cricketing company. They also have very good soft goods and even better clothing. So do get in touch with Jono if you do want to talk a little bit about your clothing. So, Robert, after that kind, uh, after those fantastic words about our sponsors, um, what information do you have for us? Craig Brathwaite. Yes. In their recent second test in Babadoos. Faced 673 deliveries. In the test in total, right? In the test in total. In the 2004 test match against England, where he recorded the highest score in test history, Brian Lara faced, and this is incredible, for anyone who scored 400, 582. So, lads, with uh, to finish off the, the, the pod today, um, let's let's finish up with a little bit of, um, I suppose, exciting times. Um you know, last week we had our week of summer, which was fantastic. It was nice and warm. We're going back into winter this week, as uh, as most of you will know. It's scheduled to snow in London on, on Thursday, believe it or not. Um, but, yeah, pre-season starts relatively soon, doesn't it? When do you guys start in the north? Uh, first first outdoor session was this evening. Um, what? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. First outdoor session was this evening. Um, I I sat and um, watched um, from the car with the heater on. No, 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 no. It's not like, it's not been that cold up here today. But I I drank so much rum punch in uh, Barbados that um, my ankle is about the size of four ankles. So uh, <laughs> is that with gout? Is it gout? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we we have a first. We've got well. Indoor, uh, outdoor nets, weather permitting on Saturday, middle practice. Um, then we've got our first pre-season weekend, 9th and 10th. And then our league season starts on the 16th. Ones have got a friendly... Your league team. starts on the 16th yeah. of April. Yeah, the ones, wow. ones start the week after, but in the twos, Robbo and I will start on the 16th. That is very early. That is when our first um, warm-up game is. Our first league game in... Uh, the city of London, as 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 you will know from playing in the Surrey League, is the seventh of May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's good for the season down there, you boys, do don't you? Eighteen league games. How many do you play up there? Twenty-two. So four difference. Yeah, okay. Um, we still score more runs and take more wickets than you lot, though. Yeah, that's because you, know. you play on there. Uh, you play on pitches based on Bridgetown, and we play on them based on. In- Ah, so what? Our groundsmen are better, so that's why. Okay, fair enough. We just get, we just get better weather. We, we, we <laughs> use fairer wickets. Oh dear, here we go. Just a, a quick, a quick good luck to England women in the World Cup semi-final on Thursday. Yes. I'm not mention that. Yes, yes. Good luck, girls. They, they've done really well actually, because having lost their first three games to then win the the next four in, including trouncing India. Um, which you know, in India, are a very, very good side in the in the women's game. Then they've uh, yeah, they've done incredibly well. So, I think it's Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and England, isn't it? The, the four. Oh yep. no, India have qualified. I think. In, I think India. No, it is. Um, it is Australia, West Indies. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow, and it is South Africa, England. So New Zealand Thursday. didn't qualify either. Wow. Okay. No, no, no New Zealand, no India. I mean, it was really interesting. I watched the um, the South Africa versus the um, India game. And um, I don't know. It was quite. It was quite tight towards the end. Um, if India won that game, West Indies were knocked out, and India qualified, and they won off the last ball um, thanks to a no ball being bowled on the second or third bowl of the over. Um, it was really and and there was a wicket in it. Who and you know uh, one of the one of the ladies scored the winning runs, or one of the women scored a, the winning runs off that ball. It was unbelievably close. But yeah, I, I saw. Um, there's one thing I'm going to say though is obviously England have got this right. Well, I, I mean, it's a semi-final. South Africa are in it. What happens in semi-finals with South Africa? Remind me of what happened in 1999. In actual fact, remind me of what happened in... <laughs> a little bit of choking. <laughs> Good luck to the South African women. I hope that they show the men how it's done. Come on, England! <laughs> Lads, it's been great catching up. Yeah. Um, have a great week, and um, yeah, we'll speak to you guys later. Well, love you, bye. Love you, bye. Podcast Network.